A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Hey guys, welcome to the Black Real Podcast. Um, it's myself, Kingsley. I'm in the studio today with Mary and our special guest. Daniel. And we're talking all things church hurt. Cool. So, um, yeah, how are you guys doing? Good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy. Happy. <laughs> good. Mary? Yeah, I'm doing good. First time doing video, so looking forward to it. Um, busy you life. look busy like week. you're looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a conversation that we've been meaning to have for a long time and I feel like we're doing it in a good way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to how we unpack that. 100%. Um, I'm also like actually just enjoying being out. Mm. Like still sort of amidst um, coronavirus pandemic and yeah. Um, yeah, just like going outside like it's now an event, right? Yeah. Like, Seems like a moment. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like going to, going to, so for me, there's like a, a, a co-op that's like five minutes from my house. <laughs> but like before I would turn up in whatever and like yeah. they just have to deal with me as I am, I'm a customer. <laughs> but now like I'll have my shower, I have like comb Drippy. my hair, you know, like Small proper drip. like, yeah, proper like out there. Um, <laughs> but no, that's, that's, I guess that's what it's like, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, so Daniel, I'm just um, kind of wondering if you kind of give us a, a bit of a sort of an introduction, like who are you, what do you do? <sighs> The infamous what do you do question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm Daniel. I am a, let me start this list and make sure I get it right. Mm, Photographer, videographer, musician, and a creative all round. Um, oh, look at the range. <laughs> well, we try, you know, just small, just a little bit. Don't want to boast. Yes, I've, I've been in the creative industry for about, uh, well, 30 now. So I've been in creative industry since I was 15. So okay. good 15 old years. Um, and I'm, a photographer and videographer, shot for lights like Burner Boy, LMA, Sir, um, musician by trade. So we, uh, me and my sister, we sing in a band called yeah. Devotion, DVTN. Check us out. Um, and we've been singing for like nearly near enough, like two or four decades. And um, yeah, minus that, um, on the side, well, as in my nine to five, I work in healthcare. Um, mm. So I spend a lot of my time kind of working. So during the pandemic, I was very busy. Yeah. Because um, I, I manage a children's hospital, so uh, mm. there's. Yeah, it's very, very, very busy. But it's good. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. it. I mean, that's that's full. Um, Mary, would you, would you like to introduce yourself after that? <laughs> Burner Boy, Sir, like, the names are just don't like, really Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Do I actually have to introduce myself? No, you don't. Like, everyone, <laughs> no, everyone knows. But out of the things you do, like, what's the one What's the one thing you enjoy? Do you enjoy more one more than the other? It's a weird thing. Like, people, cause people often say to me, ah, oh, do you want to go full-time, be a photographer or a videographer? And I always say to them, no, not really. Mm. Not that I can't, but it's because the aspects of the way my life work is that what my nine to five, and I, I, I love my job so much. I've, I've, this is probably my favourite job I've had in my entire career working in healthcare. And I've been in healthcare mm. for like 10 years. But what's good is as soon as I finish that job and I switch off, I get into my career. But yeah. I'm able to do photography and videography. Mm. And the nice thing is it doesn't feel to me as though I get tired of it because I'm doing it 24 hours a day or it's my bread and butter, it's how I survive. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, if the opportunity comes to me to do it, 
course, I'm going to take it. Yeah. If I can make my money, then what I'm making now. But I like the balance. Because, yeah, oh, no. Whenever there's a bag that's big enough, I'm taking it. But I like the balance. It just means I get away from my nine to five, I get my creative bag, and I I just enjoy it a little bit more because it's fresh for me. Because I'm not necessarily doing it, like I said, 24 hours a day, seven days a week kind of thing. But... I pretty much am doing it every every day after my current job. So it's still a lot, but it's enough for me to handle comfort. Oh, wicked. Mm. Um, it's it's rare to hear um, someone speaking so effusively about how they're enjoying their work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, like, so I'm, I'm hearing it back and I'm just like, wow, he's really happy there. Like, this is good. Okay. Uh, it wasn't always like this, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's only in the past, I'd say, like, the, the job that I recently had, I, I had a... The job that I'm in now, I got when I was in the, the pandemic. So it was literally the week before the very first lockdown in the UK. Right. Mm. Um, and the job before that was okay, but it was fine. This job was just exactly what I needed for my life. And it's just been kind of up and up. And just even other areas, it's just been really beneficial. That's taken near enough a good 10, 11 years. I've been just working my way up. So anyone who hears that, you must be thinking, ah, oh, you must... Listen, it's not always been like that. There's been times mm. where I've gone to work and I've just been like, I hate it here. Like, I, I cannot do another day like this. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to be in a position where you can say, oh, actually, I, I look forward to going to work, though. Like, I actually get up and have enjoyment. I just, I want to sleep, don't get twisted. But the actual getting to drop and doing the work, I, I do enjoy it, so it's nice. Mm. I feel like hearing that, it's it's kind of like the story that some of my previous churches like would be one of the testimonies, like one of the aunties would give about, you know. And I struggled, <laughs> and I... Go. You can just see the piano in the background. <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, I love that. Um, it'd be good to kind of like hear like sort of what your sort of introduction was actually to the church. Like, how did you. Oh, yeah. I tell the story in a long time, right? You got me, got me thinking historically now. <laughs> um, so, I was what you would call a typical church kid. Um, mm. So, I, my mum was and still is a preacher. Um, pastor by trade, and it's what she did from kind of when she came in this country near enough 50 years ago. Um, And so I've always, I've always known church. Like, it's always been a part of what I've done. Um, And so I was going to my mum's church for, for up until I was around, like, 15. Like, even from when I was, like, 9 and 10, I was used to go around my mum and perform. So she would do conferences and stuff like that, and then she'd grab me and my two sisters and we'd sing. So that's where my, the musician came from. Yeah. In terms of like singing for the first time, I used to be very high pitched. Now, now you can hear a little bit of bass in my voice. Now. <laughs> I, used to, I used to sing very high, still do. But back then, that was what the that was what the lifestyle that I kind of had. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. um, and I got to about about fifteen. Um, basically, my brother. So it was this shit. <laughs> it's quite funny. My brother was like, "Oh, there's this camp at my church, and it's like a it's like an away week, whatever. You should go. It's really fun." He's a liar. <laughs> what he didn't tell me, right? So obviously, he just told me there's loads of friends, yeah, you have yeah, a good yeah. time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why? Right, this is cool, isn't it? I'm, I'm, no one said anything to me. First day that I get there, we get out of the van. Someone's screaming down my lungs. I'm like, what's going on here? There's army guys there. Dro- <laughs> you're running down mud with your suitcase. I've come in Timberland Beats. Down, like, do you realise what you've put me through? Like, I'm very, very it's upset bad. about this. And it was a boot camp for... And I wasn't a troubled kid, but yeah, it was yeah. just part of what the church did. It was mm-hmm. this, this boot camp thing. Anyway, I enjoyed it at the time. It was really fun. But that's when I started to know about this church. And this church in particular I was going to from when I was, like, like I said, 15 years old. And I as they say, I'd gotten saved. Mm-hmm. You know, although mm-hmm. I had been in church a long time, that was when I, I really discovered this relationship with Christ. And so I was going to this church, like I said, since I was a kid. So the majority of the things that I did from my relationships to job 
to even education was all wrapped around this particular institution. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, you know, if I'm being honest, at the time, it's very admirable because you're like, hey, you know, you're at church seven days a week, you're, you're fitting your schedule around church and all those different things and all those different methods. And then mm-hmm. you're just like, that's cool. But as you get older, you realise there's, there's a detriment to that. And to a degree, the reason why I say that is because when you build your life around an institution without balance, what tends to happen is when, you, when you're not there, you don't know how to function. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, really big part for me, especially when I became an adult. And I did this when I was that a kid. Reach. This is it. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And so, yeah, so I was, you know, like I said, I had relationships in church, all those different things. And then it got to, where was I? It got to around about when I was about 24, 25. Um, some stuff had happened in church to my family. And so basically, short end of the stick is, you know, my, a section of my family had to leave for whatever reason it was. Um, and I had to get this choice where I was like, you can either stay with your family gone or, you know, majority of the family gone, who were the big integral part of me being in the first place, or you go with them and find a church where you can be a family together. One of the things that was important to me regardless was family. Yeah. Um, run, run me through which... which <laughs> yeah, like, which, which part of the family? Because you mentioned, so, mum's mom's a preacher. Yeah. So, my mum was, wasn't in this church at the time. Okay. This, was my, this was my brother, this was my immediate brother. Yeah. Um, and he had to not be here, basically, whatever reason it was. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, the, again, the reasons as to why it happened, I'm understandable because of the nature of the things and I know how the church works. So I get that. Yeah. Where my issue was, was when I had to have this conversation and be like, look, because he can't be here, there's a really important part why I can't be there. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're a family and we, we came here together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, as much as I might be upset with how things have happened and how it's transpired, the most important thing for me is being where my family are because, we, you know, at the end of the day, as much as you understand you have a church family and stuff like that, you, my family is very important to me mm-hmm. because, you know, when all this is said and done, it's the only thing you've got that you didn't have a choice about. Yeah. That's the family you're brought into. Mm-hmm. And so we had, I had this conversation and I was just like, I'm going to have to go. I didn't, it wasn't about me not being a Christian, but it was just about me having to go to a place where we could all be together. Mistake number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what... Then followed was a, I'd call this a, a, a knock-on effect of just um, rumours and words and this is why you right. left. And, you know, so the, the institution that I went to in particular was very much, if you're not for this institution, you're against this institution. Okay. Um, and I use the word institution specifically just because there's a, to me, there's a difference between a church and when that church becomes an institution. And that's where it was. And, and, and unfortunately, that's what's happened with this place. And so at this point, I'm just like, OK, what do I do now? Because I'm pretty much getting like accused of being something that I'm not because I want to go. Yeah. yeah. The backstory to this church as well is that, so growing up, I, um, for years, I had battled with like depression and anxiety and mental health. And this was predominantly since I was a child. That comes from a lot of different things. A lot of it, didn't have, if I'm being honest with you, a section of it had to do with the church, but a lot of it was just history, my own childhood, you know, had things that I was working through and stuff like that. Mm. The difficulty was 
I couldn't speak about those things in church, which was mm. really, really hard. And the problem being because of the stigma around mental health, particularly in church. Because, you know, yeah. if, you start, if you're in church and you start to talk about your struggling with suicide or anxiety or depression... It's the enemy. You know, when you sit in sermons and they say to you, you know, if you're, if you need to go and see a therapist or you're struggling with mental health, your faith is not strong. That's not, yeah. you start sitting and going, wait, what? Because I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm praying every day, yeah. I'm reading my Bible. I mean, you're not talking about someone who's not following what you're supposed to be following. You're talking about someone who's embedded in this, but I'm still struggling with my mental health and depression. So when you start to hear stuff like that over the pulpit, you, you get this, this wall where you're like, I cannot talk to anyone about this because I'm afraid of what will happen to me. Not that danger, but you lose your ministry, you lose your where you are, you lose your place, all these kind of things, and you're going to be judged. And so you get to a point now where you're like, I've got to keep quiet about this. So that's all I did for all the years. And so I was always known as the happy person. Like I was always, I know how to make jokes, I know how to have the charisma, I know how to talk to people, and that was often what was a big part of my personality. Yeah. Behind that, there was this little boy who was really struggling with um, his mental health. Mm. So it gets to this point now, you know, fast forward back to what's happened. We've had to leave now. And I said, you know what, look, at the end of the day, this place was like family to me. I've left, yes, but I don't want to end the relationships and the ties that I have with people because it's supposed to go beyond this institution. It's supposed to go beyond these four walls according to what you preach. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. So what tends to happen now is that um, you get kind of pushed to the side. You, 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 they say to you, you can't be a part of this, you can't be a rebel. All of that kind of things. So I was accused of being a rebel, of, you know, inciting... Um, <laughs> of inciting, like, almost like insurrection a little bit because I've said I wanted to yeah. go. And so people were often told, don't talk to me, don't conversate with me, you know, don't spend time with me. Not that I'm an unbeliever, but because I've simply said... I don't want to be a part of this particular institution, but I'm going to go here and serve the same God you're serving, just not in these four walls. Sure. It's quite interesting that you're saying this because the language that you're using or was used in conversation with you, like, it it strikes me as, you know, going back to this boot camp, almost like warlike language. Yeah. Um, And so very much kind of like, this is our side. Yep. If you're not on this side... We're fighting. 100%. You're, you're the enemy. 100%. Um, and and that's, that's a, that, that strikes me as a, a wrong way to think about um, the nature of Christianity and in particular Absolutely. relationships between churches, right? Absolutely. Because um, one of the beautiful things as a, as a Christian person thinking about it is like, when, when this life is over, I have friends at different churches, you know, people I know at different churches, but when we got to heaven, we're not thinking, oh, I, what, what, what member, yeah. where, where did you, like, Thank where you. did you come from? It's, you. It's, we're all at, like, the feet yes. of Christ and, like, worshipping Christ. We're, we're, we're satisfied by Jesus, right? And mm. so it's interesting that the language in your experience was very much kind of, like, adversarial, yeah. almost, yeah, almost competing. Well, this yeah. is, I mean, this was the reality of it, is that often as we grew up, especially in this place where I was, often that was the language without saying it. Mm. So, for example, if, let's just say, for example, we were friends and you didn't go to the same church that I did, if I told headship or leadership that I'm good, close friends with someone outside of the four walls, now, they're not going to say to you, don't be friends with them, but they'll say enough for you to get that message. Okay. So, and even if the church is absolutely fine, there's nothing wrong, the church is not indoctrinated as in the wrong words and all that, 
doesn't matter because it's not a part of that institution. What we were taught was this particular institution was really the only one that had truth. But you had to be very careful about the language that you use so you didn't come across as, well, like a cult. Mm -hmm. But that is, in essence, these are a lot of what the properties were. So again, when it came to me leaving, you know, in that point, you could, you literally could have been like, yeah, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with you going to another church because we want you here and you've grown up here and we want you to be a part of the family. We get that. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. I understand that feeling. But then you put that aside because you are in church and this is the body of Christ. You put that aside, exactly like you said, when it gets to heaven, it's going to be completely irrelevant what church or body you went to. It's going to be completely irrelevant what building you went to, who was the... It's going to be irrelevant. The only thing that's going to be relevant is your relationship with Christ and your soul. So in that detriment, you put in so much emphasis on the institution or the church body, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And that's what struck me a little bit, because I was like, I knew what was going to happen when I left. Yeah. I knew it, because I did it to other people when they left. Yeah. When people left, we shunned them. And, right. I, and I, 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 the funny thing was, when I left, those people who I shunned, when I started to have conversations with them, I started to hear all of the pain that they felt that I was feeling at that point, because mm. I had no idea. So then I started to have these conversations, like, you know, how did you feel when people cut you off and went to talking to you? He said, listen, we didn't say anything, but I was struggling mm. because this is what I knew. And I hadn't just built these relationships because of church. I built because I had friends here. Yeah. You know, it got to the point where when I left, people who were the godchildren, godfather of my children, godmother of my children, completely cut off communication with me. Not because I was a danger to them, but simply because I didn't agree in being in this institution. Mm. So... After I left, I wrote, um, I wrote two particular articles about um, religion and about kind of being a institutional person, like being a part of that. Sorry, so it's videographer, photographer. <laughs> Journalist. <laughs> <laughs> another one's been added. Okay, no, just mental note. Okay, That's cool. another bag you can tap into. So, yes, busy, so. I, am, I am very heavy in writing, to, if I'm being completely honest with you. And... If I'm being frank, the two particular articles that I wrote, I didn't, I was very respectful. Now, obviously, if you knew me, you yeah, knew that I went, so you're going to know who I'm talking if about. you know, you know. You know, you know. That's your personal problem, if I'm being honest with you. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just me, in it? But I was very respectful. I didn't mention any names, I didn't say anything. But I was very, very particular about what I said. The reason why I wrote the article actually wasn't even in reference to that particular church. It was what was happening in another popular institution that was very popular on social media that was making waves in the news and stuff like that okay. and when I started to see because I attended there I started to see how things were unfolding I was like no nah, I feel like I need to write about this experience now, this was me personally mm -hmm. that's mistake number one <clears throat> I got calls I got texts I was shunned and in all fairness I completely get it like I don't even I, I'm older now I don't think it was right to do that to me but I completely understand why you would because I'm now writing about my experience and I'm now here's the thing the things that I'm talking about I'm talking about essentially Christian bodies turning into the very same things they're preaching against which is Pharisees that religious mindset all of that so the problem is is that when you start to read that you start to think wait is that us because it's because it's about where I used to go yeah. so you it, it almost becomes a little bit of a threat okay yeah. so I, I remember having a, a really long call with kind of the head pastor at the time who was, you know, just completely dismissive and stuff like that. I said, all right, fine, no problem. A couple of months later, some friends who were in kind of wanting to be leaders in the church 
they got blocked. And the reason they got blocked is because they were friends with me. I said, ah, oh, OK. Right. I didn't find this out until months later. Yeah. I said, OK, fine. A year after that, so now I'm going to, to these different churches. And these churches were really, really good. They were great. But I was completely disconnected at this point. Mm. Because now, I'm now, as they say, I'm church hurt. Because I'm now, I'm just like, I was in this church for over 12 years. I had given everything. So my time, my education, um, my money, um, my resources, absolutely everything you could think of, I've given to this institution now. And they literally just said, uh, <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We don't care. Okay. Because I've left, all of that was irrelevant. So now I'm like, OK, am I the problem now? Um, is the issue me? Was I the problem now? Should I have stayed? Should I have stayed begrudgingly? Because even to, and this is, so this is the, the backtrack to things, even before the situation happened with my family, I was already very much thinking about leaving. OK. That yeah. was just a, it was just a push over the edge. For me. And, and was that? thought in your mind around leaving more attributable to kind of the, the life issues, mental health issues that you experienced at the time, or...? It was different? more to do with the church. Okay. So before everything that happened with my brother, I started to... Because, like I said, I'd been in this church for a very long time, so I actually didn't visit anywhere else. It's just this one particular place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then towards the latter part, I started to visit a few places and started to see kind of different things. And I was like... Wow. You know that whole grass is green on the other side? Mm, yeah. It very much sounds like that. Like... I visited a lot of, I'd say about three different churches where so many different things were different to where it was. And there's loads of things we could describe about the institution I was in. It was just silly things like we couldn't own a TV, we weren't allowed to go to cinema, we couldn't hug, we couldn't shake hands. We're like, we had to be careful about shaking hands with the opposite sex and, and how we were with the opposite sex. We, you know, it was just literally things like that. We, um, what was the other thing? If you had a, if you, for example, you were going to university, they were very much, it was frowned upon if the university wasn't close enough within where the church was. Right. You couldn't work on Sundays. You had to make sure you were in church. You had to tithe. If you didn't tithe, you had people coming to you telling you, why weren't you tithing? Why weren't you offering? Um, if, for example, so we, you know, we used to have more than one service on a Sunday, and then it got to the latter part of um, being in church, I was like, my kids have nursery in school. I can't be here on a Sunday evening because they need to be in bed and stuff. That didn't go down well. Um, I started, like I said, visit other churches. Not when this church was happening, this was outside of that. You know, I got calls, why are you going to other churches? Why right. do you visit other churches? Right. And it was just it was one thing yeah, after another. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, okay, I see where this is going. And at the same time, these different things are happening. My mental health is starting to deteriorate. Okay. I'm seeing all these different things happen. So a year after, so I wrote the article. I'm getting all this backlash. A year later, I write another article. At this point now, I'm on my last church. Wait, sorry. So all of this happened. Follow up. And you think, yeah, part two's dropping. I said, listen, let me drop, let me drop the sophomore album. I said, okay. <laughs> so I dropped another article. Um, but this one, again, was about what was going on. But this one was much more personal. This was about the fact that I had been in church for a long time and struggled with suicide and depression. So this is the first time I've ever spoken about this at this point. Right. Mm. I get calls now. The calls changed now. They've gone from cussing me to, wow, we didn't know, we're so sorry. I was like, oh, okay, thanks for that, 13 years later. Now, the reason why that was hard for me was because, really, you only did that out of sympathy. Because the reality of it is, is that you could have treated me better, regardless of whether I told you this or not, but you didn't. But now, because of how I've come and responded to you, now there's a bit of sympathy. 
And I was probably a little bit more annoyed at the end than right. I was okay. because I was like, so you're telling me if I didn't put this second article about what I was going through, none of you would have said nothing. And again, it wasn't everyone. It was only one or two. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I didn't appreciate it, but it actually kind of made things a little bit worse. So I was at this point now, I think I was at my, I'd say the last church that I went to. And again, there was nothing wrong with this church. It was mm. great. It was really open. They didn't, they weren't anywhere near like the church I was going to, all that kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there, and I, it was the it was the worship service, and I'm, I'm sitting down at this point, because usually I wouldn't. I'm sitting down at this point, and I'm just like, every single time I come to church, I feel this sense of this cloud of darkness mm. every single time I'm there. And again, I'm not, you know, this is obviously what I was going through personally, so I know. People, if you're an active Christian, you're not necessarily going to feel like that. I know this is what I was going through. This is personal to me. Yeah. But as I was sitting there and I felt this, I was like, it gets worse every single time that I come. And the reason I obviously was discovering this is because of what I was feeling from my previous experience in the church I was going to and, you know, that effect. Yeah. After that, I just stopped going. I said, I'm not going anymore. That was the last day. And, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to set foot in church again. I said, I can't physically do this. And, and ironically... Um, not too long after that, there were, some stuff happened with the birth of my son, and then I was diagnosed with clinical depression not too long after that, and then I had to go for therapy. And so all these different kind of things unfolded at that point because of what was going on. But one of the things that I definitely, definitely realised was when I was going through what I was going through and I was saying what I was saying and I started to talk about it vocally, people often used to say to me, I just need to get over it. You know, that's, it's not... God that you're angry at is the people. Mm. You know, and they used to say, you know, it's, it's, it's your church hurt, but God doesn't deserve that. You know, all those different languages. And I, yeah. <laughs> I obviously, this is often what I used to say to people. I said, my issue wasn't me being angry at God at the time. My issue was the people. And you can't just pass the problem just because it's people. Because it's people who I'm dealing with. Mm. It's people where I am. It's people that I'm around. So while, yes, it's a great reason to say, oh, you know, it's not God. Don't be angry at God. Don't let God suffer for that. The reality of it is, is that I'm part of a body where it's people that have affected me. That's why it's called church hurt and not God hurt. Now, if we start to talk about God hurt, that's a completely different thing. And so that's something you have on your journey that you're going to have to heal from. When we're talking about church hurt, we're talking about what's happened with occurrences with people. It's the people that are there. And so it's unfair to then just say, don't worry about it, no problem. Just go find another church. Because I did that. Mm. And I realised as I was finding more churches, it wasn't churches, it's people. Oh God, it's the people. So after a while, I was just like, yeah, I stopped, <laughs> I stopped <laughs> serving the church. I, I left and then I found myself kind of on the journey of, you know, a little bit, probably angry at church and probably angry at God, in all fairness. You know, if I'm being frank, and it was, um, there was a lot of rediscovering of myself that I had to do. Yeah. So you, you speak about kind of having this realisation where you say, you know, I'm not going back. That's it for me. Um, how long from that realisation to present day, how long has that been? 2014. So it's been about seven years. Seven years. And and do you feel the the emotions that would have accompanied that decision in 2014, do you feel them with the same intensity now? Do you think it's changed? If I'm being honest, probably not. Okay. 
The reason being is I, 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 I'm very grateful for the Christian friends that I have mm. who I've been able to have really honest and frank discussions with about what's happened to me. Because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. again, I, and, and that's why, you know, I've got a, a really good friend of mine um, and he's, like, he's honestly, like, I love the guy to bits. He's firm in the faith and stuff like that, but one, one thing I've appreciated is I've been able to have frank conversations and I have... He's, I've been made to understand that really I was a victim. And the reason why I say that is that he can still be balanced enough to say, God still loves you, God still wants you. You can still have a relationship with God regardless of the church that you go to, and I agree with that. But I've been able to express what I've gone through enough <clears throat> to be like, okay, I don't... It's, it's not just my fault. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a big problem that I've had is that when you, again, when you talk to church and you talk to people, yeah. they've never had a conversation where there's understanding. And I think what people tend to do is when you talk about church hurt to people who haven't been church hurt, they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And so you'll then feel like, hold on, it, it, you, 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 you feel more guilty about it because yeah, you're like, yeah. wait. But stuff happened that wasn't your fault. Yeah. Occurrences happened that it was nothing to do with you. It was what people did to you. And again, you, you know, you have to understand the line that, like I said, I'm very, very clear about these the words that I use about church and whether you're angry with God and stuff like that. I'm very clear about. I know it's a people thing. I'm very clear about that. Obviously, that's affected me in my relationship with God. That's affected me in my relationship with how I see church and all these other things. I'm very clear about that. However. When you can at least acknowledge with that person that people have hurt you, it goes a long way. Because a lot of the time when I have conversations with people, I'm never going to be one of those people to be like, yeah, I'm church hurt, so that's why you shouldn't do church. Right. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't have to do that. Because the reality of it is, is how you've responded and how you've gone through things is very different from me. Mm. I'll tell you my experience, but I'm not here to tell you this is why you should go. This, I don't do that kind of stuff because everyone's different. Mm. What I want is understanding, that empathy, and that's what I've received over the years. So while the pain is less now when I think about church, I'm still very much like I don't want to be a part of it. Okay. But the pain is less now because I've been able to have really important conversations with people where there's been balance about what's happening, about the fact that, like I said, you've gone through something, there's been an occurrence, you, you have been church hurt yeah. by people. Mm. You get that understanding it's clear. I think it's... It's probably one of the more challenging things um, to be able to, as a Christian, hold space for what you believe, right, fundamentally about God, the Bible, um, and the truth it contains, um, and also holding space for the reality that people have experiences that don't go in line with what they should be, yeah. right? Um, and having the ability at times to go, you know what, bro? That shouldn't have happened. There we go. Like, mm. it, it shouldn't have happened. Like, I, I still believe what I believe, but what happened, that shouldn't have happened. There we go. There we go. Um, and I, I wonder if, at least in my mind, when I think back to some, some of the moments when I was a, a newer Christian, um, and I might have been, like, in, in my zealousness um, <laughs> and over-eagerness, yeah, over um, one of the people that might message and say, hey, bro, when are you coming back to church? When are you coming back to church? But I, I wonder if, um, behind that is almost kind of a um, a nervousness that says, um, if I don't solve it, um, if I don't individually solve it, it can't be solved. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we're obviously as Christians, you know, conduits of um, God's grace to people, um, but it's still God who's working, mm -hmm. right? 
And so there needs to be that kind of like um, understanding that challenges may occur um, and you may not be able to solve it. Yeah. Um, you may not have the words for it, um, but you can be there, you can be present um, and let that person have the space to heal, to, to grieve. Um, and you know, this, I, I think often about Job. Like Job has this like crazy life. Like when you think about it, like Job is, he's, he's, a, um, he's a good guy, right? Job's a good guy. Um, and everything in his life just seems to go from like brilliant to like just awful, <laughs> just awful, right? Um, and when he's going through these experiences, his brethren has come to him at one stage and they just sit with him. Like the powerful, like there's a lot of criticism that happens with Job's friends and rightly so. But one of the powerful things that they do in the, amidst Job's like experience of suffering and pain is they just sit with him and they don't talk, but they're just there, they're present. And like, they're not trying to solve, they're not trying to like give an yeah, answer, yeah, they're not trying yeah. to explain, they're just there and saying, yo, like, I'm holding space, like, grieve, like, this is tough. I think that's um, what becomes apparent in leaving institutions and, and church and stuff like that is why it's quite powerful is that. What I often said to people was, if you wanted to win me again, the best way would have been to keep me close. Mm. And the reason why I say that is oh, because, great. you know, the reality of it is, is that even if I might not have responded the right way, might not have done the right thing, all those different things, what's important is how you respond. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is, this is the issue. People often think that if you cut yourself away from people who are sinners or rebellion or unclean, God sees you in a better light. The reality is God, he doesn't. You don't get more brownie points for cutting people off. In fact, you really want to go for the total opposite. You want to bring people as close as possible because the reality is your job is to bring them close to God. Which means that when someone isn't in line or moves away or does the different things, the best thing that you can do is be the best Christian that you can and keep close with that person's vicinity. The problem was when all that stuff happened, everybody was like, cut off. Yeah, I think, oh, so many things to say. I think, um, I think sometimes we're not good um, at having good relationships with people when we disagree with them. Mm. So like, I could imagine someone seeing you and being like, okay, you're leaving. They're thinking, but what's wrong with the church? They haven't mm. been able to process, mm. but they think, okay, Daniel must be the issue. So I'm just gonna distance myself yep. as opposed yep. to, now, that's actually reason that, okay, what do you think? Okay, disagree, I disagree. Yep. Fine, but we actually have a relationship. Right. And I think sometimes the conflict or not being able to, to find a, a common ground means we have to split, yeah, which yes, is yes, such yes, a shame. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I think the thing you said is also about um, being able to actually listen, um, it helps to not minimise the pain. Yeah. So I think when my friends come and talk to me and they tell me something, I'm such a fixer. So like, oh, my car broke down. Yep, hey, hey let's go. But they want to tell me, no, like, it was raining and sad. Yeah, 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 and they just, they just want to, like, pause. And I think yeah. when you're quick to fix or quick to look for a solution, you're really saying, I don't really care what's wrong with you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. It's going to solve your Thank issue. You. Thank you. Um, and, it, and it's such a shame that, you know, you was in a church where they wasn't able to have season conversations with you and trying to help you. Um, yeah. I mean, when you, when you were going through that, were you like in like a leadership position or like were you able to question stuff? At the time I was, so at the time I was in, I was at the worship ministry at the time and I, I was, I guess you would call, um, you know, one of those people people would look to as leaders. So, I, mm. I, you know, I was there at that place, but I was just, it's funny, as time was going on, I cared less about it. And yeah. that was, I guess maybe, if I'm being frank, I think things... The point that happened with my brother when we left, 
things were unraveling so many years before that. Mm. And like I said, so it got to the point where I didn't care. I stopped care. You know, we had these, it's dumb when you think about it, but we had these rules around the fact that when you came to church and you were in any sort of kind of platform ministry, you had to look presentable. So for a lot okay. of the guys, we had to wear like a tie, suit, that kind of thing. I stopped caring. I stopped caring. I started coming in jeans. So <laughs> and I'm looking at you like, jeans, he's not serious. <laughs> I mean, even though, you know what, to a point, yeah, it, was, it sounds so stupid when you think about it. When I was growing up, like, obviously I've got like a high top now, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was in church, especially from the beginning, like, I used to get my hair cut really, really low, as if I was bald, as if I don't have a hairline. <laughs> so it got to the point, yeah, I don't know what made me, but I was just like, hey, I can actually grow my hair, you know? Yeah, so I started getting a high top, like a big one. Man. It wasn't, in all fairness, it wasn't like leadership that had a problem, but there were people in church that had an issue yeah. with it. The fact that I had a little high top, you know, I had a little slit line, whatever. I was just like, I just got to the point where I was just like, I stopped caring. Yeah. Because I was doing all these things, assuming that it was the right thing to do. And then I discovered over time, like I said, as the less zealous person becomes and the more adult you become, you realise, that's not true. And again, when, it, when, you know, when push comes to shove, all of these things are so futile. All of the cinema and the hair and all that kind of stuff. Because really, when it boils down to it, it's supposed to be about your relationship with God, how you are, your soul. But in this institution, they care more about the outer. Mm. In an assumption, in a way that if you deal with the outer, yeah, inside will probably be fine. No way. So if you jump back, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing this. If you jump back and I'm thinking, just on what Mary said about being the fixer, um, I kind of experienced that a lot. And one of the things that I've had to learn um, in interacting with friends and people is even to ask, and I, I ask more now because I just want to, you know, I want to be sure. Um, are you in a um, space where you want to be heard or you want support to fix? Mm. If you ask that question or you make that calculation in your head, like you become um, a resting place for a person, of course. right? Mm. Um, because if someone wants help, they could, they'll say, I want help. Yeah. And then, you know, you call AA, let's, let's get this done. Or you go, um, you know, fix that, fix that car, yeah. whatever you do. But if they want to be heard, they don't want to hear about solutions as such, you know, explore it, like let them speak, let them, let them get it out. When you're talking about um, some of the experiences you had, and you talk about this kind of cutting off and actually what would have been helpful for you um, long term, if someone's thinking about, you know, I, I want to win Daniel, um, is to keep you close. I think there's so many of the things that you're saying, I, I see in my mind a number of the ways that Christians may have thought this was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like in 1 Corinthians, there's this passage where Paul says, and it's true, right? Um, bad company corrupts good morals. Mm. And like, that's real. Like, if, you, if you grow up in like bad company, it's easier, not necessarily cast iron, but it's easier mm. to find yourself, you know, find, doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone reads that or someone's told that and it's very easy to go, um, okay, this person is not like, like, interesting. Okay, I have to run away, right? Um, But this is where you kind of like, at at moments you see like people growing, but you also see how like Jesus kind of like stands aside from like, he's perfect and we're just really like learning. Jesus has this ability to to interact interact in such a way that people actually call him the friend of sinners. Mm. And yet at the same time, he's morally perfect, which is like, for us, it's just like, how do you do it? Like, how, how, how do you, you find about how, how do you go to the party and not, how, like, how, <laughs> yeah. how do you do it? Like, how do you do it? But it, it, it shows it shows something of why, like, as Christians, we kind of look at Jesus and go, man, 
like that's our model. That's like that's good. I just think the reality of it is that there, there was just a real loss of balance in in almost everything. Like mm. you know, exactly like you said, some things are really really obvious. You don't want um, bad morals to corrupt you. So you know, for me, it just seems a little bit obvious. If I'm in a nightclub, as much as I might be a strong Christian, this might not be beneficial for me. That's just obvious for me. Now, anyone could do it, and anyone can say, oh, you know what, I'm morally strong and I can do it, and everyone has to make that decision. That's what the problem is. When you're in a lot of places, you're not given the room for them to make those choices. Mm. So a lot of it is we kind of come to your chest and say that's what you should be doing, Mm. rather than actually we're going to give you what the Bible says, but ultimately you have to make your choice. And this is why I always say it's often a big problem. And that's, and that's, I guess in a way, that's what annoyed me a lot about where I was because right. naturally you want to be able to say you're not going to do something or you're not going to go somewhere because that you've come to that decision. But again, what happens is people try to instigate this and instigate this feeling of conviction, instigate this feeling of guilt rather than, oh, that person has discovered it for themselves. And then what it goes back to as well was that there was no balance. So with me, you have to understand something. When I left, I was still a Christian. I was still very much in the faith. I still loved God. Even in my struggles, I still like, I still want to discover who God is. And actually, that was probably the push for me because I was like, I'm coming out of this place where I've just kind of been very stagnant and been very religious and in myself. And now I want to be in a place where I want to discover God again and what's going on and what his Bible says. Right. So at that point, you're like, the best thing to do is to stay with this person or at least stay close because... Even if they never come back, the whole point is that they're still my brother. If I leave today or I leave tomorrow and we're in the same institution, you don't stop being my brother just because we're not in the same body. Because outside of that, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of being in in an institution. So me leaving is just you saying, okay, I don't agree, I want you here, but I still love you as I'm supposed to love you. Let me keep you close. But the problem is, is that because of how you feel and like you said, that whole war mentality, yeah, we're trying to win people to our institution rather than, actually, it's important to, it's supposed to be for God. It's supposed to bring them to him, not where we are in these four walls. These four walls are simply a conduit to where he's supposed to be going. And that, people get a bit lost. And that's why yeah. I said balance is a big problem. Mm. I have, Mary, were you going to jump in there? Yeah, I was going to ask about, like, when you, when you started leaving, so when you left the church and then you went to other churches and you thought, this church thing is not, is, that you started to find issues with people. Did that, like, spill over into like your interpersonal relationships with people that weren't in the church like almost that kind of um not being able to trust or seeing that trauma play out in other ways because i wonder if it's if you're starting to find an issue with people in the church i wonder if you were starting to find that broadly so funny thing is in a way no because so the majority of my friends family and everything was just church Mm -hmm. so actually Minus the people that I worked with and the odd friend here or there, I didn't actually have any relationships outside the church. Literally everyone that I'd known, all the church, all my friends, people that I spent time with, this is just church. Mm. And so actually, when I got out of church, I discovered relationships with people outside the church that I probably would have just been like, no, because I was in church. And you know, we've got to keep our friendship and stuff. You see what I'm saying? So ironically, I became a better person outside of church. Other thing as well was I was very arrogant. I was a very, very arrogant individual. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming the church for that. That just could be my personality, so I'm not going to sit here and do that. But I was a very arrogant person. There was a lot of 
There's a lot of bent up frustration and arrogance and just, just not nice things about my personality or character. I did not like them. As I got outside, I discovered that. I discovered that, wow, this is the kind of individual that I was. But again, because of how sometimes when you're in these places, it covers over your personality. So you actually don't see these things that are a problem. Mm. So my interpersonal skills actually got better. My interpersonal skills got better because I realised that now, for example, when I was in work and people who are not Christian, I could conversate with them. Now, it's not necessarily where I was just like, yeah, let's, let's talk about sinful things. It's just that like I could actually have an actual relationship with you, a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Just because you're not Christian doesn't mean I can't do that. Yeah. So like I said, it actually had the opposite effect. And then as I was going to, like I said, other churches, I was almost, like I said, I was... I was discovering you could be friends with people outside. So, like, for, you know, a big prime example was uh, me and my sister, we used to perform, like, we were ministers in church, and there was this rule around ministering outside of church. We were very much like, you can't do it unless it's in this place. Yeah. Which was crazy. And so when I left, I started building relationships with okay. different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started yeah. meeting... I started... To, I, was like, I was like, I was like, oh, we're on a tour now. <laughs> I said, oh, that was one of the shows that we did, um, that was like the second show that we did, because when we left, I was very much worried about, oh, people are going to come. I've always been in church. But we should be sold out our show after because of all these different people that we meet yeah, and the yeah, relationships yeah, yeah. that we're doing. So they've been, they've been, because they've been telling us when they want to come to us. I was like, oh, it's not you, it's just, it's just rules, isn't it? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, again, all of those things started to kind of unfold. So I realised that, yes, it was people that hurt me, but... I did realise that there was a certain lock on where I was. Yeah. And it it kind of it came off as soon as I left. Mm. So there's, as you're, you're speaking, I have like five, six, seven bookmarks and things in my head, just like, OK, come back to that. Um, one, one of the things that, you know, might be interesting, actually, me just throwing you, Mary. Oh, my days. Yeah, <laughs> is when, when Daniel's talking about the, the experience of, you know, him interacting with church leaders as he's trying to leave and expressing his grievances and just the complexities of actually being in a situation where his family can't be at that place. Um, and he's now wondering, actually, can I? Maybe I shouldn't. What do you think should have been some of the, the things said um, in that instant that might have been um, That's more really helpful than <laughs> you have to stay or <laughs> you're yeah, against I feel us. like... Um... And I'll come back to your question, but it's always interesting when people leave church, it's never like, you know, you leave with meat pie, you leave with some money in your pocket. It's always beef. Like, and I think always. it's only been recent times where I've seen people leave and you're like, all the best of your church for praying. Yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. like, I just have it wrong with us, it's so wrong with us. And I think we need to, okay, your church is just a church, but it's another church somewhere else that mm. may be doing the same things and honouring the Lord as well. Yeah. Um, I think coming back to... Uh, Daniel's dilemma, to use alliteration. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think church lead, that that church leader should have had yeah a bit more of a a reasonable conversation, trying to understand where he is, understand his frustration, and and also trying to serve him as well. So mm. even if you say okay, he's made that decision to leave, that's fair, right? Like you can you can go and and you can express your your grievances, and we can actually f- have a conversation about that. Like I think I've always thought pastors should be humble to receive like criticism and mm, receive mm, mm, people mm, saying mm, things mm, at them. Mm. I think, you know, the, the you know one qualification of, of an elder should be someone who's humble because you're going to get a lot of... There's always someone, someone's not happy with where you parked the car, someone's not happy with this. Like, the church is not perfect, yeah, fairly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, 
there should be a willingness to receive criticism in a way that's like, okay, that's fair. How can we improve that? How can Absolutely. we do be better Absolutely. at that? And you leaving doesn't mean that it's beef. This it means, yeah, you just want to go because of family issues. So, yeah, I, I think it, becomes, it has to be a... It becomes, like, it's so funny that you said that because anytime you would speak about, like, even besides me leaving, but anytime you have a conversation with them about something to do with the church or something you don't agree with, it was often defence. It mm. was often, um, do you know what I mean? You're offending me because yeah. you're saying something about where I go and I don't like this. Mm. Yeah. And even if it is, like, these could be genuine, genuine grievances and concerns where you're like, it's not necessarily that I want to leave, I love the place, but this, there's something wrong here. That yeah. there's, there's, a, there's an issue here can't we have a conversation about this and say, actually, it isn't, like I said, as black and white as you might think it is just because you're a leader in the church. And again, it kind of goes back to this misbalance of scripture sometimes. Often what was told was, you just do it because I'm the leader and I told you to do it. Submit. No, yeah. I am not going to do that. Because if I, if I genuinely feel deep down in my spirit that there's something wrong, rather than me rather than me just saying I'm not going to do it, I'm going to have a conversation with you because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You've got to be open enough that you're, you're dealing with there's... 7.7 billion people in the world. Mm. And you're going to have to communicate to almost that amount of people because you're going to have different kinds of people come in. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you just bend and probe according to different people. But it's just like, like you said, there's a humility that you're supposed to have about you because you don't know who you're going to come across. Yeah. And it isn't always best to just say, well, that's what I said and that's the end of it. Because you're, gonna, if you're dealing with people at the end of the day. Mm. You have to adapt according to while the foundation being the Bible and the Word of God, while understanding that you have to be sympathetic, that these people are coming from different walks of life and different backgrounds and different things that they're going to hear. It's not always going to be the same flatline experience. Mm. But that's often what was really irritating. So it's like you said, it's like, it was, it was, I was lacking a lot. And it would have been helpful to just have enough conversation to be like, look, the door's always open. We're not going to cut you off. We might not agree with you, and I can understand that, but actually you're still family to us. Mm. Yeah. Let's keep those lines of communication going. That's a healthy way for someone to go. Yeah. That is, I mean, that, that to me is huge, right? Again, it's, it's being able to hold that space to say, this is our position on whatever it might be, and this is our position on you, Yeah. right? And I think sometimes when we're, we're having these conversations, these dialogues, those lines can get blurred and become messy, yeah. and people might think um, standing up for the faith looks like, shunning or taking actions against the person, which yeah. ne is not necessarily the yeah. case, right? Um, it's entirely possible um, to be able to say, Daniel, uh, on this particular issue, we see things differently, but I love you, right? Yeah. Mm. You're, 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 yeah. Um, I'm, I'm second bookmark in my head, right? So I've got a few. Um, is um, kind of talking through how you've navigated the experience of um, having sort of which strikes me from being a young person, but difficulties with your mental health. And you, you spoke about um, suicidal thoughts and um, not having a, a, a space to talk about those. Um, I'm just wondering, like, how, how, how do you think it may, that, that may have been helpful um, back when you were 15, back when you were to, 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 to speak about those things? I think, yeah, no, I, you know, one of the things that I... I um... I discovered, and this is probably like the, the positive thing when I discovered out of leaving church was, okay. I started to realise that there were a lot of churches that did have an environment that you could speak about mental health, depression, suicide, anxiety, that kind of thing. And, and every time I see it, it really makes me happy because I was, I'm of an older generation, so I'm 30, so the, the, the churches that I predominantly were around were a lot of the 
older generation churches. Mm. And it was a lot of the, you know, even if you take aside church, the, the way that we've grown up, particularly in the African community, mm. is that don't tell us about your problems. Don't, don't. If you say that you're struggling with mental health, there's like, something wrong with you, you've got a demon. It's one of the two. Mm. And so that's the, that's the generation I've grown up in. And so that bled into church. If you had a problem, like I said, about your mental health, if you spoke about it, you, you were either worried about what was going to happen to you or you'd be shunned. Mm. And so, so when I left, I started to find all of these different churches that really made a really healthy environment. And, I, you know, I was really, really glad. If I'd had that back in the day, things may have been a little bit different. OK. Um, I think it would have meant that I didn't have to hide anything because that was the problem. That's what I was doing. I was hiding everything. If I had... Um, if I was struggling with something, if I was battling with something, if I... Um, had internal issues or whatever, I was never going to open my mouth because I was more concerned with the response rather than the recovery. Mm. And so it just meant that at the time when I felt like if I had been open and spoken about it, I could have got some healing around what was going on, I was so afraid of what the response could be. To the point where like, I even remember times when I was in church and I'd have certain conversations with leadership. About a week later, I'd hear that same story over the pulpit. I'm sorry. Um, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's flagrant. absolutely crazy. <laughs> and it happened more than once. And Pastor's, and Pastor's looking at you as well. <laughs> and it's just, me and you are just there like this. I, you know I, I told you that. You know that Diddy B, just like... <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you know, the thing is, the funny thing was, is I wasn't the only one having to... It, it yeah. was so funny because when I was growing up, that was a common occurrence. People's stories, things that they went through, blah, 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 was often in sermons. Right. And I'd sit here and be like, wow, that's deep, man. I can't believe that person did that. Or like, but what happened to me? I was like... What's going on? Oh, you just start feeling hot. Like, literally, I'm just sitting in my chair and I was just like, this madness. And it further solidifies your reason to hide. Yeah. yeah. As, honestly, it, it, it was like I was very justified in not saying anything. And even to the point sometimes where even when I would confide in people who I was close to, someone else was finding out that story or leadership was finding out that story that I've told you. And I'm just like, I didn't tell you because I, I told you because I needed someone that I could confide in with being accountable. Not, mm. I didn't need you to go and tell people my secrets. Mm. So because of that, I was like, nah, there's no way. And again, that was just in comparison to what I was going through, that, the fact that I was feeling suicide and depression. I was like, there's no way I could speak about it. I remember one time there was, um, it was like a, a, a Sunday morning service or something like that. And a, there was a therapist, who was a Christian, and she got up and she said, you know, we need to have more environments where people actually go to therapy. Now, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, that's amazing, like, I really hope this gets off really well, because it's true. Because the point that she was making that, just like when you go to the hospital and you bust your leg, as much as you have faith and you believe in God that you're going to be healed, you still need to go and get it checked, guys, because you can't just walk around with a broken leg. And she said that's the same thing in your mental health. Your mental health is still health. It's, it might be in your mind, but it's still a sickness. Mm. And you need to be able to... That's why therapy is really good. And there are loads of different people who have gone through it. Me, example, who I'm here today because I had to make a decision about my health and get the treatment that I needed. And so she stood up and she said, like, something along those similar lines. And leadership at the time was, if you need a therapist or all those kind of things... You're lacking in your faith. And I remember that it was that conversation where I said, there's no way I can open my mouth. Mm. Because look what happened to her. She didn't even say what her problem was. Mm. Now, if I start to get up and I tell you that there are times where I'm at home or I'm walking or I'm at a train station and I feel like jumping, mm. if I start to have those conversations with leadership, it's going to be one of two things. I will be a sermon and I will be judged for having these thoughts and I'll be accused of not being strong in my faith. Yeah. And that to me was like, 
I can't go down this road. It was, it, I knew if I did, it was going to make my mental health worse. So mm. I kept it to myself. And there's, there's, there's two things that, that come to mind when I'm hearing that, right? Um, one, one of the first things around this kind of, like, response, that if you have to seek another form of help, that you don't have enough faith, mm. um, is, to me, it's a misunderstanding of actually how the fall works, right, in the first place. Because if you think about, like, sin coming into the world, it doesn't just, as you said, affect our bodies. It affects every part of us, sure. which includes our minds. So our minds are not as they ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that shows itself out in a number of different kind of ways. But then there's the other almost obvious thing for me, is if you're reading your Bible, in particular, I'm, I'm, some, I'm, I'm always in the Psalms. If you're reading your Bible, you're in the Psalms. Okay. Like, these people, like... Ah, David went through it, and he's saying it. He just it. said Job. Like, Job lost his whole family. I'm sure he was going through it as well. And they're like, I mean, like, some, some 88 has come to mind, but, like, people are, like, really kind of, like, saying, like, really experiencing dark emotions, and they're not running away from God with those dark emotions. They're running to God. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, when, when someone is in that position of being entrusted with the information that actually someone is going through this particular experience, you may not have the answer. In fact, most of the time, you won't have the answer. But one of the things you should be able to do is actually remind that person that even if I don't know, God, God hears. Like yeah. God is present, um, and He doesn't run away in this suffering. He's with you in this suffering, yeah. and holding that space. And also, God is the God who, um, if you if you if you believe that God creates the world, you also believe that God has a hand in the creation of things like therapy. Oh, there we go. Um, and so you know, you, so if that's the place that you want to go down. Um, yeah, you can do that and still be in line with kind of like walking with what the Bible says a Christian should be yeah. like. So, yeah, so many that kind of like, yeah, di- almost, and, and this is the difficult difficult thing, right? I think sometimes these conversations take place and people are saying things and they're not necessarily trying to be malicious. Oh, sometimes, yeah, but the, but what comes out is... is is so un- it's so yeah. unhelpful yeah. that it's painful, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, that's, that's the often... This is the thing why I say, like, I'm, as I get older, as I've gotten older, as I think back on things, one of the things I say, a lot of people said lots of different things to me that definitely hurt me. Mm. But I realise, and I've, I, I ha- I've, I, it might just be my age, but I'm more graceful to the fact that, you know what? You said that, not necessarily because, like you said, you're trying to be malicious, you're trying to hurt me. You just said that because you thought that was the right thing to say at the time. Mm. Mm. It wasn't. And it was often because of what you were taught, what you believed, and just your own personal character. Yeah. And so I kind of sit back now and was like, you know what? When I first left, I was doing a lot of the blame game when I left. Like, I was, I was cussing everyone in my head. Like, I was. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and I remember, like, even to the point, like, people telling me about my education and not going to uni or not. I was like, I was cussing everyone. And then it got to about three years after, and I said, I've got two choices. I can either sit here and completely, completely like cuss people off or whatever, yeah. or I can do the healing for myself. Because again, no matter what happens to me, the most important thing to me is how I respond. Yeah. And so that was why it was really important for me that, you know, it's like I said, I had to almost stop blaming people a little bit. Now, when I talk about church hurt or I talk about being hurt by an institution, I talk about so you understand what's happened. But... I don't really sit and do the blame game anymore. I'm much more, I sit back and say, I, these choices have happened, these things have happened, but I'm going to have to rebuild my life. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important, like you said, that sometimes, even in the midst of what you're feeling, you do have to understand that people do things based on how they taught and the environment they are and how they respond to you is because of that. Mm. And you almost need to take away the blame a little bit and give, be graceful. Because as much as I'm saying, you should have done this, you should have done that, 
I need to speak with the very same. I say, you know what? I'll be grateful, man. This is it's human beings at the end of the day. We're not perfect. And I'm always there's so many kind of even like moving back and discuss, thinking about church hurt generally. There's a lot of things people say that are so unhelpful. So yeah. you might someone will say, oh, you know, going to this church really bad experience. Go to another church. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'll say, oh, no one's perfect. You know, goes. But it's it's actually realizing that there's a lot of residue that comes from mm. it. So like you, you've left this church, but you go to another church and you're still dealing with that yes, trauma. Absolutely. And there's still things that are triggering. Like I've, I've got a friend who, she grew up in a, a particular church and that church was very traditional. Always, you know, looking at about what she wears and ensuring that she's covered. And, and now when she goes to, to, to church, 10, 15 years later, she still feels very uncomfortable with how people are going to look at her and how mm. she's perceived in church. And that's, that's church. Like that's, yeah, that's something yeah, that, is, yeah. that is still impacting her today because of how she's dealt yeah, with. And I yeah. think it's just being aware of that. Yeah, like, it's, it's, you know, looking at your situation and being like, oh, you know, you just go to another church. But, you know, when you went to other churches, you were still dealing with that, with that impact, yeah. right? You were still yeah. dealing with that impact. Probably tells us something about maybe the, the onboarding or the initial kind of interactions phase as sort of people in churches, right? Yeah. When, when you meet someone for the first time. So at, at some stage, you were walking into a church for the first time, right? Um, after these experiences. Um, and you need to, someone needs to be able to go, and doesn't, I don't know who, what's your story, mm. right? Mm. Because when you talk about kind of like being in that church environment and, it, and it feel, it's feeling dark and it's painful, um, it could be like passages that you've heard in another context were misused, misapplied, yeah. such that when you even hear like the word of God, when you hear passages read to you, you cringe. You can't even yeah, hear yeah, it. Yeah, you're yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. seeing the experience, yeah, right? Yeah. You're feeling the experience, right? And so again, if no one takes the time and goes, ah, brother, what's your, like what's your story? Like, yo, like tell me about it. Like you can't give specific care to a person that you yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can't then have like integrate someone into the family well if you don't know who's coming into the family, right? Mm. Um, and so I think, that, I think that's something that, you know, at least for me, when I'm thinking about kind of like, when I'm back at church and I'm seeing people for the first time, and you know, I'm one of those people who is annoyingly friendly <laughs> when I first meet you. Um, it's just like, hey, how's it going? Like, how, how did you find the server? Like, I'm, I'm that person. Um, just also having it in the back of my mind, just like, okay, maybe you're coming on too strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. During your period of like going through like church hat and Russia was in churches, like what was your? Because I, I must that must have had a knock on effect of how you viewed God. Like how are you? How are you grappling with with, with your with your thoughts about God? Um, you know, if I'm being frank, I really really did struggle. Um, and to be honest, it's probably a big part of the reason why I'm not in church currently. Um, people often ask me like, what what's your position now? As in, how do you believe and stuff like that? And I say, look. I don't deny the existence of God. I think I've been alive long enough and experienced the way that I've experienced to know that God is real. However, because of what I've gone through and because of how I kind of felt at the end of it, there's a point in my life where I'm just like, if you're real, that's fine, but I don't have the mental strength to kind of discover you again because where I thought I knew you, it wasn't your fault because it was how I was taught in the institution. So the God that was being taught to me wasn't the actual God of the Bible. It was, it was almost, I call them the, the, the institutional God. Mm. It's the God that is the big bad wolf up there who's telling you don't listen to that. I know God's not like that. Um, but the problem is, is because that mental image gets so pressed into your mind because of what you've gone through, it's very hard to discover something else. Mm. And so for about a good five to 10 years, I was kind of like, I don't know where to start now. 
Like, I, mm. I don't know where to find you again. And you become more scarred because you're just like, the emotions that I feel when I now start to think about it, it can become quite overwhelming. And again, it's, you know, a lot of people will say, but you know, it's not really God. I'm like, yes, I agree with you, but it can be very hard to separate the two when that's what you've known. Yeah. Um, and so at the moment, and even just kind of, like I said, going through that stuff, so when I left church and I was going to a new one, I was kind of like, yeah, this is good. Like, I'm, I like this. I like what was going on. But to me, I felt a little bit like God was silent mm -hmm. because I was like, I just had this often question. I was asking, like, where are you? Like, it was really, it was a, it was a bit of a shock for me. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was, where are you, is because I wasn't hearing God from leadership or my friends or even my, you know, acquaintances and stuff like that. Now it was just like, oh, I'm outside of that. Now I've, I've got to pick up my Bible and discover God for himself. Like, mm -hmm. I've, got a, I've got to see God past what religion was telling me. And it was very hard for me. And I was still very much like, because of what I was hurting, I was like, why did you leave me to be hurt like that? And so, for, for especially the first couple of years, I was very angry at God. Like, I was very angry at not just church and people, but angry at this God that I'd known, because I was just like, where have you gone? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think now I'm just much more in a place where I'm like, yeah, probably are real. Um, there probably is an existence of you. Um, I just, I'm just not sure where that is. And the difficulty for me as well is even thinking about starting to go back to church and stuff like that, for me, it's just a daunting experience. Just because it's like I have to, I have to put aside the feelings that I had before, but then I now have to, I have to start again. Yeah. And for some people, they can do that. And, and you know, who never, you never know in this day, like, I'm not completely cut off from it where I, you, it might not be that case, but where I'm just like, it's just, it can be a bit too painful to try and relive it again. Mm. And so that's why I'm just like, I can't stay away from it altogether. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, Funny thing is, though, you know, because I'm a songwriter in itself, I still do write a lot about what I go through and a lot about what I'm trying to discover for God and who he is. And that's the funny thing is, when you hear a lot of the music, a lot of what you're hearing is stuff that I go through. So I don't, I'm never really bothered about what I write about. Like, I write about wherever I am, wherever in life. And so if you listen to some of the stuff that I write, that's still me trying to find God again sometimes. It's still me writing about this discovery and where I am, what's going on and, and what's going on in my head and stuff like that. So... In a way, I always feel like that door's always open, and that for me is important because regardless of what's happened, I know where I was then, and I know what I discovered when I first discovered him. But things got in the way, and it's got clouded. And I think I'm, there will probably be a point where I'll get to the journey where I will probably have to pick that and uncloud that. But until that day, I'm just kind of like, it is what it is currently. Mm. Mary, when you were listening to Daniel speak there, um, how did you interact with your... Uh, proclivity to be a fixer. <laughs> Come to church. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> that was my first thought. But no, you, you, yeah, I think the points you made were, because I think with church hurt, as much as it's people, I think there is the underlying of that is, is there's always going to be a, your a, a effect on your view of God. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just because it's basically God's people, right? So if you go to a church and you're on the receiving end of, of abuse or, you know, whatever it is, you're thinking, but well, this is God's house. Like, this is what's... So, so it's always very interlinked. Um, uh, and, and the hope is that, that that God is able to draw you in in a way that you can even, in, you can even react or interact with, with God's people, even when you know they're not perfect, because you know that, yeah. Like the, and I think it's tough with, with the church because 
church hurt is real and there's a lot of difficulty with people like like I love my church but my church is just sometimes my church is very messy and I'm like I don't want to talk to people and I'm like I don't want to be like if I could sometimes I'll just skip church but then I know that like God is God is clear in the Bible that he he wants his people to be in church with mm-hmm. other people and that's actually how he's uniquely united that we would actually grow and yeah, and, yeah, and make yeah, it yeah. and 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 keep keep on a narrow path and and so it's it's almost that there's that messy that messy kind of interaction that you have mm-hmm. to be involved mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and and you go into that knowing that I have to forgive people. They have to forgive me. I'm going to insult someone. Like things are going to happen, but this is how God wants me to be. Wants me yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like being honest with you, I know that you have to be. You be if you want. You wanted to be close with God, means you have to be close with God's people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that there is that cloud. You almost have to the push away, which is which is which is tough, right? Yeah, it's it just tough. Yeah. Kingsley, what's, what's going through? What's, what bookmark are you? He's got a lot of bookmarks. Hasn't he? <laughs> no, he's had done two now, so there's like six left. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you've probably got more since we've spoken. So. Uh, man, um, there's like, there's, there's so much you've like said there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that just comes to mind is just being thankful that you're in a place where you're able to share these experiences mm. like broadly and transparently, right? Because I feel like I've learned a lot from the conversation as we've gone on. Um, but also actually just hearing you kind of speak about the distinction you made really early on about sort of church hurt and God hurt. Yeah. And then there, though there's a, a connection between the two, that they are different issues. Yeah. Um, and then coming full circle, hearing actually that, you know, this isn't the end of the, the journey for Daniel. Like there is still there, like the spiritual undertones in your music, like it's, it's still there, it's still in mind. And I think as someone who thinks about kind of my Christian, my Christian life is actually one where um, it's not really about my hold on Christ, but Christ's hold on me. Like hearing mm. that kind of like is like really reassuring because it's like, uh, yeah, maybe now is there are things that need to take place, healing that needs to happen, but it, there's certainly there's certainly more room at the end. Like mm. we're all making room for each other. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, there's space for us, and so that's that's kind of kind of good to hear. Um, I'm, I'm wondering in closing. Um, <laughs> I say I say in closing, but like. There's another bookmark. You know when it just starts highlighting? Just, but yeah. And so as I think about it, I think, you know, one of the questions that comes to mind um, really is if, if someone is going through like the very real experiences that Daniel, you've gone through and are, are still going through, um, what kind of things would we want to tell them um, as they're like battling and trying to persevere in the faith at this moment? And I'm happy to kind of like hear from like all of you on this really. I think ultimately... Um, if if I think it's about communication, um, I hundred percent would say isolating and keeping things to yourself is not the thing that you want to do. Mm. Um, and I say that from from experience. Even in my current life, I try to not keep things to myself. Um, where I found what my problem was before was secrecy. Was I'm not going to tell anyone. No one's going to find out about this. I'm by myself. Like, I'm going through this by myself. Now, it sounds good and it sounds commendable and admirable, but it's absolutely not. It's detrimental. Mm. Um, the problem is, is finding someone you can communicate with that you trust. Mm. That's always where the problem is. And that's someone that's someone you're going to have to find whatever position that you're in, whether you're in the faith or not in the faith. Um, finding someone that you can trust will always be important, but, the, the again, the issue is you worry about whether that person is going to break that trust. Mm. And that's why ultimately it's important to make sure that you know. Do you know what I mean? Mm. At the end of the day, you can't be responsible for what people do, but you just have to know in yourself that 
I've done everything I can to be sure this information I'm giving to you, I can trust you with that, and it can be a place where I can lean on. Exactly like you said, like, sometimes when I'm going, when people are going through what they're going through, always, and they come to tell me, I always ask, like, two things. Do you want advice or do you want a place of refuge? Mm. If you want advice, then I know how I will respond to you is I'll give you advice about how to make things better. If you want a place of refuge in your event, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm just here to let you talk. Mm. And I'm just here to be an ear. Why that's really helpful is that the person will know that in any situation that they are, what they require from you, they can come to you for that. And the other thing that I would honestly do is, you know, the reality of it is, is that had I had discovered some of the things that I discovered really early and I'd had the courage to maybe leave earlier, even before stuff that happened with my brother, I might have been able to go to a place which could have facilitated the things that I needed in terms of a church. Yeah. Um, the problem for me is because I was so tied to that place and because I felt such a sense of guilt about leaving, I left it so late that by the time I left, I was just completely over the whole church, religion, whatever it is. Yeah. And so I'm not saying to anyone, my advice is leave your church. What I'm saying to you is if it is to the point where with me, it's detrimental to your faith, um, your own mental health. You stay in a place where you can still be in line with what you need to be in line with, then you need to really think about whether it's conducive for you to stay. Because mm. at the end of the day, you can serve God in any church, as long as that church is in line with what is being laid out in the Bible. The problem is, is especially for people that have grown up in like their parents' church or all the churches, you do feel the sense of guilt. You feel the sense of, if I leave, I'm going to get cast, they're not, gonna, they're not allowed to go, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Ultimately... Especially when you're an adult, you have to make that decision for yourself. Mm. And it's the healthiest decision you can make sometimes. Mm. Um, and then lastly, is what I think I'd just say, like, like, don't be... I guess with me, like, I didn't say anything about some of the things that I didn't feel were right until the very end when I was leaving. Um, and this is very hard to do because it's very intimidating to tell anyone of any sort of leadership that there's things I don't really agree with and this is the reason why. Find the courage to do so because it will save you harboring things rather than, and, you know, and saying it rather than keeping it to yourself. Because mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's what happens, isn't it? Like, you start to feel a little bit like, if I start to talk about this, like, I'm obviously going to get ridiculed or they're going to call me a rebel or whatever. In hindsight, not what, no, now, I don't care. I would have said it. I would have openly said it. Because having those open lines of communications, again, is better than not saying anything at all. Mm. Um, and also, like, if you're, like me, struggling at the time with, like, depression and... Um, anxiety and suicide or whatever, get the help you need. One, one of the things that I did was, when I realised that there was a problem, I went to my GP. Yeah. I was diagnosed with clinical depression, I got therapy, and I got the help that I need. And that was, that was the big reason as to why I'm still here today, because I was very close to taking my own life. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, in a church, like you said, like, it's exactly what you said earlier, you don't realise that we are human beings and we have health, physical and mental. Um, get the help that you need. Uh, don't shy away from it just because you're afraid of what people might say. Get the help that you need so that you can still be here and still be able to live your life, but healthy. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so people can be very afraid. I know men are very afraid of... That's why I'm very, very adamant about men um, having therapy, particularly black men, because we don't do it. We don't yeah. like talking, we like keeping things to ourselves, the way that we've grown up, all that kind of stuff. So I'm very much like, go and talk to someone and go and talk to someone who can actually help you. Um, I'm an advocate for therapy, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, and I'd say for anyone who's young, particularly, especially like teenagers up into adult years, if you're really struggling with those things, go and seek the help that you can because you, you, God forbid you don't want it to be too late because you're, you're afraid or you're 
I'll do all of that. Like, it doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, man, you're, you're trying to... You want to stay alive as long as possible. And yeah. whether that's um, for me, whether you're in faith or whatever it is, you want to stay alive as long as possible and you want your health to be as, as correct as it can be. So that's ultimately what I'd say. Mm. Super helpful answers. Really helpful. Um, yeah. I was going to say, Mary, before you chime in, this is going to be like the introduction where like Daniel like lists up his accolades and he has to, you have to follow like a great answer with like another great answer. But I'm sure you could do it. Like, Mary, Mary, what, what do ma- you think? I don't have to match greatness. I do have to say what I think. Um, <laughs> that's right. Mary's already great. She doesn't match right. <laughs> uh, but that's interesting because like the whole series we've had about like church and we've spoken about what is a church? What's a good church? Like, elders, pastors, and a lot of it is, is like, when that goes, like, awry, it's church hurt. Like, mm-hmm. when you have mm-hmm. a, a bad church setup or bad church governance or people not acting in love or... Yeah, Christians basically failing in a church. It, it produces church hurt, and it's so unfortunate. And I think a lot of us can be like, oh, wait, oh, easy to first. But it really is, like, it really impacts us and yes. it affects us in ways that are very tangible and it ultimately affects our view of God as well. Um, so I think, yeah... What you said in, in your experience is so helpful for us to understand that, yeah, church is, is a serious thing. And it's something that we should, in in our interactions with people, really be trying to, to help and, and to love on. Um, and I think like, the Christian the Christian message is, is, is kind of uh, the reality of, of a perfect God loving imperfect people. And imperfect people, though loved by God and, and, and saved by him, still cause a lot of harm mm. um, and still... As they're asking God for forgiveness, you need to ask one another for forgiveness because mm, mm, we do great, mm, great, great um, atrocities to one another. Um, so I, I think, I think one thing I will say is that as we're as we're seeking God um, and, and, and we're trusting in Him, we have we also have to understand that we offend others, so we have to give leeway for yes. others to offend yeah. us. But we know that um, the forgiveness I'm extending to you is is minute to the forgiveness I found yes, in, in yes, Jesus. Yes. And and even though that that, that doesn't mean that my forgiveness to you is, is like not costly because I have to deal with the pain that has been dealt with. Um, but also the, the forgiveness I'm receiving in Christ makes the church worth it because he's called me to that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's what I would add. Um, but yeah, just, just us really stepping, stepping back, especially those who are Christians and, and wondering like, what hurt can I cause and, and how I should ultimately not try and, and do such. Um, even if I believe that, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mary said, um, I just have to give my answer. It doesn't need to be great. And then proceeded to give a great answer. It wasn't she great. Said, <laughs> we already said she was great. She knew what she was doing. She had to be humble, down, you know what I mean? And I said, oh. Kingsley, no, no, no. have a minute to give out all your bookmarks. So, yeah. Uh, man, oh man, oh man. I'm going to just hold it in um, and end it here. <laughs> <laughs> and, say, and say hopefully um, people have enjoyed like listening to this episode. Um, it's been really good to have the opportunity to speak with um, Daniel mm. and have this like really honest and candid conversation about the experience of church hurt um, and how we can actually as people um, and as Christian people in particular support people going through it mm. um, and who are in the church um, or who are out of the church um, with a view hopefully to reach in a stage where me and Daniel and Mary are going to be at the same church. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm a church nearby. But yeah, man, this, is, this has been the Black Real podcast. Um, like, follow us on um, Spotify, like our YouTube video, comment, subscribe, um, do all of that good stuff, share, um, and let us know what you, you thought of this episode. Let us know actually how you're sort of dealing with church, like what you think about it. 
um, and let's, let's let's continue the conversation really. Um, and Mary, any last words? You say you just dropped a single, right? Plug like your music. 18th of June. That's 18th what I'm of June. Oh, right. single drop. DBT official. Be somewhere at home. It's coming up. You can really say. <laughs> <laughs> This is where like we put like the box up, like the Instagram and the, the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And we're out.